The Be A Part campaign this year is asking people to continue practicing safe physical distancing as society continues to cope with COVID-19. But it's also asking everyone to be a part of something bigger. And we hope that that means being a part of the work that we're doing here at Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And during May is Mental Health Month. That might mean engaging with us on social media or participating in one of our virtual events. And to learn more about the opportunities to participate, go to mhaok.org forward slash be a part. The beauty, I think, and the power of a support group is you find out when you express yourself that you are not alone. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we have two very awesome people. We have Dr. Rebecca Hubbard, who has become a staple of the mental health download, especially during this COVID-19 era, and she is the Director of Outreach, Prevention, and Education for Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And Rebecca and I are going to be interviewing Linda Alegria. And Linda leads one of our virtual support groups that is designed for people who have experienced trauma during this COVID-19 era. So we're going to be talking a lot about that and how you can become involved. And Rebecca will be talking about some of our other virtual support groups and how you can get involved in those as well. So with all that being said, Linda and Rebecca, welcome to the Mental Health Download. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. All right. So I'll kick things off with the the first question for Linda. Linda, if you can, just tell us about this virtual support group and then why you're excited to lead it. Well, I think this support group, like many support groups, is being offered to meet people's emotional needs and to bring people together to have a sense of connectedness. Because maybe if nothing else, we've learned from this pandemic that we are interconnected and that even though we're apart, we need to feel connected to each other. And Rebecca, why did you, among other people, you were really at the forefront of taking our existing in-person support groups that we've offered for many years, taking them virtually. And then soon after that, you decided that your team was going to create these very COVID-19 specific support groups. So kind of walk us through your mindset and why you wanted to create specifically Linda's virtual support group. Right. So this has been a very collaborative effort. A member of our team reached out to me when we first went to remote working and asked about taking our in-person ongoing support groups online. And being the person who loves to say yes, I said, yep, let's do it. And we moved those on. And then when it came to our attention through the housing authority that there would possibly be some need for first responder and frontline worker support groups, we started discussing that with our CEO, Mike Bros. And then we also started looking into, okay, what about general population? And then as we met with, as I met with each of the individual leaders, facilitators who graciously are donating their time to lead these COVID stress response groups. As I met with them individually, I started seeing them with their unique skills and abilities and talents and expertise and how we could really help people to identify that um, they may have a need and, and this is a resource that can support them and they don't have to struggle. And so as we met, as Linda and I chatted, quickly came to realize that she was very highly skilled 
at working with individuals that have a history of trauma. And with a situation like COVID and all of the fears and concerns and stresses and strains that have come with it, you can have a kind of a re-triggering of those emotions and those symptoms for previous trauma. And so we were very excited to ask her to lead this group and to provide a supportive environment for individuals that might be experiencing that. And just a few more details about this support group. So tell us when it meets and how people can join Rebecca. So the support groups meet at various times, depending on the group that you may be looking for. Those times are listed on the Mental Health Association website at mhaok.org forward slash support hyphen groups. There's a web form there that can be filled out that can be submitted if you're interested in uh, joining a group. Or you can call the Mental Health Assistance Center. Uh, those numbers are located on that webpage as well. And they will connect you with a screening, a very simple screening referral process. Our very friendly screeners will call and do a brief conversation with you just to make sure we're plugging you into the right group and getting you connected. They then send you the link and information on how to get into a Zoom meeting. If you're not comfortable doing a Zoom meeting or don't know how or don't have it downloaded, they are very adept at helping you process through that. Even we'll practice with you to make sure you're ready. And then we have also our guidelines and expectations that we send out to help people to kind of know what's expected in the group so we can keep it safe for everyone coming in and just maintain that confidentiality and supportive environment. Linda, if you can just share a bit of background about you are a mental health professional. All of our virtual support groups are facilitated by a mental health professional. So if you could just kind of share your origin story, as they say in comic books. Well, I've been a professional licensed clinical social worker for over 40 years. And I've worked in a variety of settings, started out primarily institutional residential treatment of troubled children and families. And then I taught social work at Northeastern State University for uh, 20 years. And during the last probably 35 years, I've maintained a part-time private practice and then more recently, full-time. So I've worked in a variety of professional settings, and I've done a lot of individual, couple, family, group work through those years. So that's sort of been my professional journey. And recently, I've been in a two-year certification to become a spiritual director. And so I have that to add to the the breadth of the work I do, and and that informs a lot of the way that I think about people and myself and what we're going through. What is a spiritual director? What does that explain that to me? Well, it's really being different words are used, but it's a spiritual companion. It's not therapy. It's not counseling. It's being with a person and honoring the spirit in them and helping them identify how spirit may inform and guide their dealings with their life issues and questions. Okay, Rebecca, I'm going to turn this podcast over to you and just kind of, I'm really curious to hear a conversation between you two about how these support groups have been going. Well, first, Linda, I would like to ask you to help individuals know when they should reach out for help, particularly if they have a history of trauma. 
you know, how do they know what symptoms might they see in themselves or a loved one that they would go, oh, wow, yeah, I should call and probably join that support group so that I can, you know, not not just survive, but thrive. Well, you know, as you said, uh, trauma, a history of trauma can trigger a lot of different emotional reactions. And actually, we're all going through a collective trauma at this time. So, and, and, and frankly, I've never met a human being that doesn't have some trauma in their history. I don't know if it's possible to be born and raised and never have trauma. And it can come in so many different forms and ways. But when people get triggered, what, what we mean by that is they will have an emotional reaction to something in the here and now that may seem uh, out of proportion to the here and now incident, the stimulus. There's a stimulus and then there's uh, a reaction. And the reaction can be something that totally dysregulates their emotional abil ability to emotionally regulate and they may feel overwhelmed by fear, uh, by anger, by sadness and not know exactly how to navigate those intense emotions. It, it, I have had people report to me it makes them want to revert back to an old behavior like an eating disorder, perhaps, or using alcohol or drugs or engaging in some activity they may have done previously to cope but had thought they had healed from and broken the addiction and now they're struggling with potential relapse. So that's, that's one thing I see. Other people talk about it affecting, of course, their difficulty sleeping, interpersonal relationships becoming more irritable, more impatient, just more difficulty in just coping with normal day-to-day -day life. Right. And I completely relate to that. I have a couple of friends that I've lost to suicide and we've had kind of a number of suicides in our community lately that I learned about yesterday and I did not sleep well last night. And I woke up this morning and I kept thinking, I feel those feelings again. I feel that trauma again and I'm sad and I'm overwhelmed. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about is those symptoms kind of re-trigger. And I'm thinking, I didn't even know these people, but I'm feeling that emotion just because it's re-triggering that, that trauma of losing my loved ones. What can, what can people hope to find when they attend a support group meeting? Well, the first thing that I that I hope people will find is a safe place. And of course, we talk about confidentiality. But beyond that, a place where they can say what they want to say without being judged or told they shouldn't feel that or shouldn't think that way. Because sometimes that happens when people express to family or friends what they're feeling. And they're told, they're shut down, basically. They're told that's really not okay, and, or I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so this is a place where you can emote, you can express yourself, and 
Then the beauty, I think, and the power of a support group is you find out when you express yourself that you are not alone. Other people actually have thought those thoughts, felt those feelings, behaved that way. And it's a way of experiencing the common human condition. And I think anytime we realize that we're not that different from each other, and anytime we can relate to how other people suffer in the same ways that we do, it brings about a natural compassion, hopefully not only for the other person, but for yourself to realize that you are not alone and you are not bad uh, because you feel this way or think these thoughts. Uh, so that's one of the great benefits I see in a support group is you, you meet other people, you connect with people at a heart level, and you know that you're not alone and that other people are struggling in ways that you may struggle and, and that they care. They're there and they care what you're going through. That's a beautiful description of what support groups offer. Thank you so much. I know you mentioned collective trauma and Mike Bros, our CEO in our leadership meeting the other day, he talked about how many people are experiencing trauma and they just don't know they're experiencing trauma right now. And I, you know, have talked several times with Matt and others about how you know, we're talking and thinking about things that we normally don't talk and think about on a daily basis, like death and dying and scary illnesses and social distancing, those kinds of things. Can you talk a little bit more about collective trauma and what you think may be happening for people? Like, what is it about this experience with COVID-19 and the impact on our society that is re-traumatizing or re-triggering for individuals? Well, the world has shifted on its axis. It's never going to be the same. And I read a study not long ago that Americans are more afraid of uncertainty than death. <laughs> and there is certainly a lot of uncertainty in, in all of this. And so when people feel uncertainty, they experience that basic primal fear of not in control. And my experience tells me that, that mo many, many people struggle mightily when they feel they cannot control their environment, their life, and they don't feel safe. Here we are all put into a situation that we really can't control. In fact, I, from a spiritual standpoint, I said, you know, if, if you've ever suffered under the illusion, that you are in control, this should show you. God may be saying, you know, I'm going to show you how much control you have. <laughs> Just hold on here. Uh, so I think that people are struggling trying to figure out, you know, first of all, what is the new normal? What does that even mean? And beyond that, people that are really struggling financially, uh, terrible uncertainty about the future uh, in, as far as their employment, their ability to provide for themselves and their families. That's really scary for many people. And the fear that 
I could be carrying this virus and be asymptomatic and I could give it to my elderly mother and kill her. (laughs) I can say this because my daughters, you know, they come over, but they wear masks and they stay (laughs) six to eight feet away because they're so afraid they Mm -hmm. could be carrying the virus and not know it. So there's that fear of how do you even connect with people? The, the grief, there's a great deal of grieving going on in our culture now. And, you know, it's grieving the loss of the familiar, the loss of your routines, the loss of what you did before, your freedom, the loss of your freedom to go and do as you were doing. So all of those things contribute to trauma. And they're all linked to not somehow not being safe not being in control of one's life. Yeah, I completely hear you. And when you talk about loss, that is um, beyond just losing someone to death. I call that a living loss, right? So we have ambiguous loss, which Pauline Boss uh, coined. And that means when somebody's physically present, but psychologically absent in the situations like, you know, maybe domestic violence or substance use disorder, And then also when they're psychologically present, but physically absent. So maybe when a loved one is in the armed services and they go, they're deployed and they're psychologically, that father and husband is still psychologically present or mother and, 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 and wife, they're still psychologically present, but they're physically gone. And that's ambiguous loss, but these other losses that we can experience like divorce and uncertainty of my, this stability of my job or losing a job or losing just that sense of safety, even all of those losses that we are experiencing right now are very valid and very important for us to acknowledge and identify and process through that grief process. Because we, I think we, as especially as Americans, we have a tendency to say, why should I be upset? I don't have anyone that's sick. I don't have anyone that's died. But the fact of the matter is exactly what you just said there, that we are all impacted. We are all experiencing some level of loss, even if it's just the simple loss of normalcy. And I think that is the most pointed thing I have heard lately. So thank you so much for sharing that. When people are thinking, you know, they're thinking, they hear about these support groups and they're thinking, oh, I don't know if that's really for me or I kind of want to, but I'm afraid, I'm scared. I, it's one more thing I don't know, and I'm just up to my neck, and I don't know, and this I just can't handle another one. I don't want to, but then I do want to. What would you say to them? Well, you know, if someone, if they would be willing to try it, you know, one time, and I would tell that person, you know, you don't really have to say anything. If you want to just come in and just listen to others and just be part of that experience to decide if that is helpful to you, you're welcome to do that. Because there are people that are afraid to do it and are reluctant to do it. I understand that totally. Yeah, me too. I did. I totally get it as well. And of course, talking to you, I like, I want to come now. You're so sweet and gentle and, and kind and open and warm and just peaceful. It just brings a sense of peace to me personally. And I so appreciate your time and your availability and your willingness to be there for others, especially those that have experienced trauma. 
Is there anything that I haven't covered that you would like to talk about with regard to the support group and the, your hopes for it or intentions in the group or what you hope others can take from it? Well, one thing I didn't talk about maybe is just the amazing benefit the members are to each other. And it makes you feel so good when you share something you're going through and then other people in the group say, oh my gosh, I felt that way too. I thought I was the only one. Thank you for saying that. That's helping me so much. And that happens a lot in support groups. So members are really doing something for each other. And that makes you feel good in your soul when you know that you've reached out in some way and you've helped a fellow human being. That's a big benefit, I think, of support groups. Oh, I completely agree. There isn't anything more powerful than having another person say, me too. I feel that too. I get it, which is incredible and and just makes you feel like it's all right. It's going to be all right, you know? Yeah, you can end up feeling like we know this sucks, but you're going to be all right. That's the feeling I want people to have at the end of a support meeting. It just sucks, but it's going to be all right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get that on a t shirt. Perfect. Awesome. And so as we wrap up here, I cannot thank Linda enough for being here. You really, as Rebecca said uh, several times during the interview, you really are the like prototypical support group leader. I mean, you are so calming (laughs) and you are, I mean, if we could just replicate you. Uh, <laughs> that would just be awesome. I just, man, thank you so much. My daughters would be terrified at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you're so awesome. Okay. So as we do here at the end of every mental health download, uh, we ask the guests to share a few parting words and then share our rallying cry, which is during the May is mental health month is slightly upgraded to be a part, which that's our May's mental health campaign. It's be a part. You know, it's as much as we need to be a part distance wise, we can be a, a part of virtual support groups like yours. You know, we can be a part of all the good things going on in a virtual world. You know, even if you uh, give somebody a thumbs up with your your mask on, you know, you can't smile or anything, but if you could just give somebody a thumbs up, you know, it's those kind of things that we can be a part of, you know, making pretty dark time in our country a little brighter. So Linda, if you will share a few parting words and then say, be a part and go do good things and we'll be done. Well, I think this uh, pandemic is giving us a great opportunity. The crisis, the Chinese uh, word for crisis has two characters. One stands for danger, one stands for opportunity. And inherent in every crisis, there are both. So I am wishing for, praying for that all of us globally, everyone, will take advantage of this opportunity to perhaps create a new story, a new society, a new way of being, because a lot of our um, time-honored institutions are failing. So we're a part, but we can also be a part of a new story. Go be a part and do good things. 
Oh my God. I would, so the, 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 <laughs> we're, we're all in quarantine right now, but this is the moment where I would be like, Linda, can I hug you? Well, yeah, that was virtual amazing. hug. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> virtual hug. 